Hi, it's Brett Hill here. If you thought last year's Wellness Summit was big, just wait for the 2015 edition. There's new speakers, a new venue, new exhibitors, new everything, and we would love to have you there. Our selection of two-for-one tickets sold out in less than 48 hours last year, so if you want to join 600 like-minded health and wellness enthusiasts, as well as your favourite Wellness Couch podcasters, then make sure you go to www.thewellnesscouch.com and register for the early bird list. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up For A Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, Up For A Chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And our beautiful Cindy's not here. No, she's not. <laughs> never mind, never mind. She's she's off gallivanting and travelling as usual. So we have got somebody extra special to fill in for her today. And we've got, um, you know, we've had so much feedback and we've had so many messages and comments on the shows that we've done that were since the passing of Jess that we really wanted to dive deep into Jess's life and bring the people who were important to her to you so that you guys can start to see and experience what it was like to live like Jess used to live and to experience the kind of insightful inspiration that she used to experience and to hang out with, honestly, some of the most profoundly beautiful human beings. And today, really, our guest is a shining example of a profoundly beautiful human being. I want to introduce you all to Amanda Rootsy. Amanda, thank you so much for being a part of today's show. We are honoured to have you on the show with us today. I'm so honoured to be here and thank you for such a beautiful intro and Gosh, you're going to make me cry just hearing about Jess like that too. <laughs> I know, and it's actually, it's, it's funny because every time I, well, it's not funny, there's nothing funny about it, I don't know why I said that, but it's every time I think about her or I talk to somebody about her or the people that she loved, I get the same, I get this wave of emotion and I think it's a beautiful mm. thing for us to be able to share ourselves, what we do, how we do it, so that then, you know, kind of, the legacy continues in terms of what she wanted for all of us and what she wanted was just bliss and beauty, you know. And, and again, as I say, you're a shiny example of that. So tell, tell our listeners a little bit about you and your own personal journey so that then they can get a sense of what a spectacular human being you are. I'll try. Um, <laughs> I um, a few years ago, I was I was living a very different life. I was um, I was finishing off uni. I was modelling. I was working in hospitality. I was teaching deportment and modelling courses as well. So I was living a fast life, I guess, and and partying and all of those things that you do in your early twenties, and. Um, I was never taking care of myself, that's for sure. I sort of never really even thought about the type of food I was putting into my body um, unless I had a pimple or something like that. Um, and then I might consider, you know, cutting out sugar or something for a day or two until I craved it the next day. Oh, um, yeah, welcome to the club. <laughs> <laughs> and uh when I finished uni, I um, decided that I, I wanted to go and model overseas. and. Um, when I checked with my agency in, in Brisbane here in Australia, I was with Vivian's Model Management for, for quite a few years. Um, they, they said I couldn't go overseas. I had to go down to Sydney first and uh, model down there. But I didn't want to go to Sydney. I wanted to go to Germany and Italy and beautiful places that I'd never been before. So I went on my own anyway. And um, I took my mum with me for, for a month for a beautiful girl's trip. And I went around to agencies myself and I, and I got an agency in, in Germany and an agency in Italy. And, um, and I worked over there for, for months and, and absolutely loved it. Um, but I was always, once again, just pushing 
myself to the limit, I think. I'm, I'm one of those people that, uh, like most of us, I think, a bit of a people pleaser and didn't want to let other people down. So I was always working too much and, and just not listening to my body, really. Um, and my boyfriend um, at the time came over and, and he, as he got back on the plane after visiting me for Christmas and New Year, he looked at me and he said, you look done. And I said, oh, I know, I'm a bit, I'm a bit tired, but, I'm, you know, I'm going to push through because I'm having, I'm having a great time and I want to make the most of this opportunity. So I stayed and I kept pushing and pushing. Um, and then I walked into uh, my agency in, in Italy one morning and, and the booker there said, oh, you've got a, a lump on your neck. And I didn't think anything of it because it didn't hurt. I was feeling fine. Um, and I used to wear my, my handbag across my, my shoulders. So right where the lump was is exactly where my handbag sort of rubbed. So I just thought it was a little bit of inflammation, I think. Do you think, um, that, do you think that potentially your handbag could have been the cause of the lump or it was just coincidental? No, no, just coincidental, I think. Right. It was just me um, blowing it off, really. <laughs> right. That yeah. Makes, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just, had, I just was curious about that. No, that's okay. <laughs> uh, so then when I came home um, a couple of weeks later, I, I eventually went to the doctors about this lump because it was still there. And um, he sent me for a blood test and an ultrasound. And um, I went back in to get those results a week later. And I just went in on my own because I, I didn't think anything of it. Um, and he sat me down and he said, I, I think you've got lymphoma. I said, oh, yeah, what's that? He said, oh, it's, it's a cancer in the lymphatic system. And um, that really shocked me, <laughs> as oh, you can probably I'm imagine. I'm sorry, I just have to interrupt you there, my darling. So when they have results like that, and, and if we do have any GPs or doctors listening, you know, wouldn't it be beautiful to know that with delivering news like that, that you at least are asked to bring somebody with you or, you know, I cannot believe, did he seriously not say I advise you to bring someone with you? No, I mean, the call was just from the receptionist saying your results are in, do you want to come in and get them? It, it wasn't, there was no warning at all. Oh, that's, I'm sorry, that's not good enough. I am astounded by that. No. You know, I think that it's such a sensitive situation and it can be potentially so emotional. I, I remember when I got news that I had to have my ovaries out and the doctor said we won't know if they're cancerous or if the tumours are cancerous until they're removed. I remember, I remember feeling white. I, I felt the blood rush from my head and I was so grateful that I had Matt there with me because I don't know how I would have coped. And, and I, remember, I remember saying to the doctor, well, I've been blown up. I can handle anything. But even that was just like a defence mechanism. But I can't even begin to imagine what it would have been like for somebody so young and not even really having a frame of reference of what that would be like. How did you, how did you respond to that? I just, um, I just, I clenched every muscle in my body, just doing whatever I could not to cry. Um, mm. And somehow I made it to my car and, and, and bawled my eyes out once I got there. Mm. Yeah, I, I just, I, I never knew anyone that, that had gone through cancer really, except for, you know, a distant grandparent. Um, I, I didn't know anyone my age that was going through something like that. And um, Did you understand it? Did, did you understand what was going on or was it? No, to be honest, um, I, hearing that word cancer just, just, you know, made me go numb, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't really understand it. And he didn't, he didn't really offer much of an explanation, to be honest. He just said, um, uh, you know, we'll get you in to see an oncologist. And that happened a month later. A month, a whole yeah. month. That's just unbelievable. Yeah. God. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm just going to put this out there. If there are any doctors listening... Pick your act up. <laughs> Sorry. What's that? It would have been nice to have someone there to have taken, you know, my partner with me. Oh, my God. <sighs> anyway. Um, Amanda, so in that month, you know, I mean, in that month that you had, 
just, you know, first of all, first of all, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Who did you ring? What did you do to actually get home? Because I can imagine driving would have been quite a blur. And then what did you do over that month? Did you do any research? Did you start trying to work it out? Did you have family all come in? What happened in your community, your tribe? Um, yeah, the first thing I did was call um, my mum, which is a pretty hard call <laughs> to, yeah, to tell your mum that, that you've, you know, that news. Um, and then I called my partner as well. And um, then I just, I had to drive home. So I, I just, I, I kind of took all of, all of my courage, I guess, that I could muster and, and, um, and just, you know, took that next step to, to get home. And then what did you do? Um, so from there I, I started researching. So I was really lucky to have such positive people around me. You know, D- Dave, my partner, was, um, was incredible and, and he never thought for a second that I wasn't going to get through it or he certainly never let me think that anyway. <laughs> and I, I, just, I just started Googling things. I, just, I needed to do something to feel like I had a little bit of control over the situation, I suppose. Um, so I started researching um, how it could have happened, what lymphoma was, what I could do to help my body. And I came across so many inspiring stories of people that were treating things naturally or, um, you know, getting through things. And I found a whole... Yeah. Sorry, Serena, just tell us what your cancer was and how it affects people. Um, and is it a healable cancer? Obviously it is with what you've done, but can you just give us a little bit of knowledge around what it is? Yeah, sure. Um, so it's Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, it's actually one of the cancers that does affect young people as well as old people. Um, it's quite curable with chemotherapy um, and it affects the lymphatic system. So for me, um, by the time I had conventional treatment it was a stage four so it was in um, quite a few different areas of the body which is quite common with lymphoma because the lymphatic system you know it flows everywhere um yeah so it's a it's similar to leukemia it's kind of classed in that blood disorder area right and and what's the difference between hodgkins and non-hodgkins Non-Hodgkin's uh, covers a whole range of, of other lymphomas. So there's, there's Hodgkin's lymphoma and then there's all these other ones that they just call non-Hodgkin's. Okay. I don't really know the difference, to be honest. This is where we need Cindy on the line, but maybe yeah. we can come back to <laughs> Well, I think it gives us something that we can look into anyway because it's a, I'm sure that's a question that um, some of our listeners would be asking because I was thinking the same thing, Kimmy. Mm, mm. Well, while you're yeah. carrying on, shall I just try and Google something while we're talking? <laughs> well, hold the line, please, call her, and I say you go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. So what did you do in that month? Um, so I just, so I, um, I read all this stuff online and, um, and I just started making changes. So some of the stuff that came up for me and, you know, we can, we can find anything online, can't we? So I just tried to trust that whatever I was coming across was what I needed to, to read at the time and the books that people were giving me and that sort of thing was what I needed. Um, so I, I went vegan, I started meditating, I just created a really nice healing kind of sanctuary at home as well. My, my partner was really beautiful at, at just protecting me a little bit more from, from people and I found that, you know, quite a number of friends were, were very fearful, as you can imagine, but I couldn't really be around it at that time. I just needed to stay really positive. Um, And so, you know, cut out chemicals from the household as well and skincare products that were full of awful things. Um, And just just tried to create a really nice healing healing environment and and focus on getting through the next day and and knowing that I was doing whatever I could to, to get better. You know, it's interesting that you had this innate intelligence inside of yourself, that self-care, and as you've said before this call even started, nurturing yourself and being gentle with yourself. How did you know that that was going to be the best approach to help you not only come to terms with what you were going through mentally but also to help your body heal physically? How did you you know that that would be the way to go? Because a lot of people... And I know them. A lot of people will just set about mass distraction. 
so that then they're completely distracted from the issue. They don't have to think about it and they think that if I don't look at it, it's not there. Yeah. How did you know to go the direct opposite? That's a good question because I, I was never brought up with natural. <laughs> I was never brought up with natural health or um, any of that that side of things. Um, I, I, I don't know. It must have just been something, like you said, that was inside me. I, I was really lucky to have Dave. I think um, he was sort of on a mission. I think uh, to to get me well, and so we were kind of doing it together as a team which made a big difference. Um, and I just, I came across those beautiful, inspiring stories of other people that were doing things and, and getting through things and, and that's what they needed to do. So it, it just made sense to me, to be honest, to, to how just long, how long be ago gentle. Was um, that was oh, almost five years ago now. Five years oh. ago. So did you know Jess then? I didn't know her then. Um, I was introduced to her through a mutual friend not long after I was diagnosed and, and we were just so excited to find each other to, to know that there was someone else out there young, you know, kind of going through this. Yeah. So five years ago, what, what age would that have put you at? Um, I was 24 at the time. So young. No, no yeah. it's right. You can't imagine it, can you? Most people are planting their future they're meeting husband future husbands they're partying they're traveling they're they're working climbing up the corporate ladder I mean it must be the biggest lightning bolt right into your heart core and being that you can ever imagine I just I it astounds me I've got another question for you but before I ask you that I'm just both Hodgkin's disease, sometimes referred to as Hodgkin's lymphoma and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, are cancers that originate in a type of white blood cell known as a lymphocyte, an important component of the body's immune systems, but the system. Both of these malignancies may cause similar symptoms, but the conditions themselves are different. The distinction between Hodgkin's and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma is made up upon examination of the cancerous material from a biopsy or aspiration of the tumour tissue. The type of abnormal cells identified determines whether it is one or the other. Non-Hodgkin's lymphoma is much more common than Hodgkin's disease. In the United States, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma is the sixth most common cancer among males and the fifth most common cancer among females. Furthermore, the incidence of non-Hodgkin's has been steadily increasing over the last decades. So what I want to know is what causes it? Do you know? Well, that's a million-dollar question, isn't it, for, for any, <laughs> any of um, those cancers? I mean, there's, there's been a correlation that, that what the doctors told me is that um, there is some kind of a correlation that they've found between glandular fever and Hodgkin's, and I, I did have glandular fever when I was younger. They haven't said that it causes that, though. Um, I mean, to me, it seems like it's just the way we're living our life these days. We're not taking care of ourselves. Mm. And you, our body. you were in quite a stressful, full-on, charging, partying yeah. life. I, mean, I, I don't right. know about you, Kaz, but the more we do these podcasts and the more we interview beautiful young souls and different people, I don't know whether the universe is creating the Jesses and the Amandas of the world to help us all to wake up mm. and realise that our bodies are not designed to party. Now, maybe when we were younger the different chemicals in our foods and our and our environment, maybe it's got more and more and more prevalent from our great-grandparents' age right through to now. There is no doubt there is more and more chemicals and things like that in our environment and our foods. But I think your story and Jess's story and people like you girls are such a stark reminder for me as a mum, not only to be the example to my children, but to remind them of the importance of self-care, even when you're a partying girl, you know, or a partying boy, that if you are going to have a night out, then, you know, if you are going to drink, you've got to do simple things like making sure you drink plenty of water and rest and the next day give yourself a day to recover if that's your choice. Preferably, I guess a lot of mums would be saying, or oh, don't do it at all, but we all know that the reality is that's not a, that's not reality for a lot of young people. What would be... You're now 30. What would be your advice looking back to your younger 24-year-old or maybe 20-year-old self? What's your thoughts now 
and I know we haven't gone through your recovery in that part of the story. I'm just interested in who you were when you found out what you had to now who you are having recovered from it or survived with it or thrived with it. What would be your advice? My advice would be just to be gentle with yourself, Mm. Um, just to tune in and and take care of yourself Um, because I, I really believed that I was invincible and felt like I had to push. I, I felt like uh, to succeed in, in life, we've got to push and push and achieve as much as possible and get as much as possible. And I would just remind myself that it's okay to say no and it's okay to take a breath and tune in and, and relax. Mm. So, you tell to do that. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's, <laughs> it's almost impossible at that age, isn't it? I mean, because you're 10 foot tall, bulletproof, and you know everything. Yes, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I, so I, I teach um, courses for teen girls now and that's a big reason behind it is because I just want to at least plant a seed that, that, that they do have to take responsibility for their health and they do have to, to take care of themselves. They can still be bulletproof and still achieve whatever they want to achieve, but um, they also, you know, if they want to do that and they want to keep going, they've got to look after themselves too. Nice. Yes. So what if you, if you were to look back on it, and I know that we're asking really challenging questions, but maybe there's a book in this. <laughs> um, as you look back with the wisdom of hindsight and you look back at the experience that you went through, a lot of us apply meaning to um what we experience, what sort of meaning have you applied to your cancer? Mm, um, it changed everything for me. I, I mean, I'm so grateful to have gone through it. Uh, I certainly wouldn't wish it upon anyone, but it changed my whole life and, and it really um, awakened me to a, a whole new world and, and a way of living. And um, and, you know, as I said, I'm so grateful for that. It also really, it got me thinking about faith and, and the bigger picture and the type of life I would be leaving uh, for future generations as well. You know, it really made me consider the type of world I wanted to leave behind as well. You're beautiful, Amanda. I just, oh. you're such a gentle soul. I can... And I think, Karen, what you just said is there is such a book here, my darling. Um, But what would you say, let's go back to when you had your, um, when you had your uh, beautiful experience of of connecting. So as much as the experience was hideous and frightening, there sounds like there was a real beautiful experience of connecting and drawing in with your beautiful family. What what did you guys do over the next, I I love your story about retreating and everything. Can you tell us what you've been doing over the last five years or what happened from there leading to where you are now? Yeah, sure. Okay. So um, once I did meet with with the oncologist and um, heard about the different treatments available and that sort of thing, um, I decided to treat it naturally for a year. Um, It was just something that felt right for me at the time. and so in that moment, we just simplified as much as we could. My partner sold up. Um, he had an apartment that he owned. He sold that so that he could just look after me. And, um, and so we tried a few different natural treatments and, and focused on healing for about a year. And um, during that time, I was having CT scans as well and, and the tumours were reducing um, but but about a year into that journey, a new tumour had come up and it was pressing against my spinal cord and the doctors said that I would be in a wheelchair in a week if I didn't do something drastic. Um, and to be honest, I didn't believe them at the time because I was so focused on on doing it my way. I was quite stubborn. Um, when you but, say when you say naturally, Amanda, what what did you do specifically? Uh, so I found a couple of a couple of doctors that were happy to at least point me in the right direction. Um, it, it's a little bit difficult, I think, 
to, to go down the natural path because there isn't that structured guidance and there isn't the research and, and, and that sort of thing. But um, I, I tried something called Protozel, uh, which uh, quite a few people had had success with and, and um, a doctor had a patient that had had success with it as well and sort of said, um, why don't you try this? Um, and it acts in a similar way to chemotherapy, but um, it's all natural, but it sort of it um, fights the, the cancer cells and it breaks them down and, and um, you can pass them through the body. That's the way that it, it's explained anyway. So I, I, did, uh, I did that um, and I, you know, did lots of juicing and I um, yeah. saw another doctor who got me onto um, a diet that was, 100% raw uh, and no sugar and so it was just vegetables and nuts and seeds and those sorts of things and wow um, I, mm. I in, in that first month actually I, I went to Thailand and did a, a a fast a week-long fast where you do coffee enemas twice a day and um, juices every day and so I felt like I was just trying to clean my body and and give it the best chance to heal I suppose and create that that really beautiful environment inside so that my body could do what it needed to do and do you feel like you did that? Do you, do you feel like even even if it wasn't the ultimate solution to heal the cancer, do you feel like it prepared your body to handle what it was about to go through? Yes, definitely. A, a few people have said to me, do, do you wish that you had just done the chemotherapy straight away? You know, you kind of, do you wish you'd just gone for that because you needed it in the end anyway? But I really believe that that's exactly what it did for me. It did prepare my body um, to be in a position to handle what was coming. Um, and it certainly gave me the tools and the knowledge to be able to uh, repair my body uh, afterwards as well. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And what's your greatest learning from that for you personally? Uh, the biggest thing for me was trusting myself, to be honest. Um, you know, everyone has an opinion <laughs> and there's so much advice out there and doctors will, will tell you what what they believe to be the best thing as well but as we know from from so many different people's experience what works for some doesn't work for others and it was a real lesson in in learning to to trust my own instincts and go well doing the natural route feels right for me right now and then when I needed to do the conventional treatment, then I did that and it, and it worked and, and we still did it in our way, I suppose. Um, uh, we moved down to Brisbane um, from the Sunshine Coast that afternoon after getting that CT scan and, and we bought a little caravan and we put it on the back of a meditation centre and, and we oh lived caravan for the whole time just because we wanted a simple way to live so that we weren't worrying about cleaning the house and all those things that, would have just added an extra level of stress and it was incredible. <laughs> what an amazing man you have. Oh, yeah, delicious. he's a bit special. Oh, <laughs> goodness. He's a keeper mm. for sure. Yeah. He is yeah. Hello Christmas, New Year, Good Friday and Easter Sunday. I <laughs> <laughs> mean, after all of that, we, we still needed to retreat further and more for him, to be honest. Um, I think it took him a longer time to recover from all of that than it did me because I once I started to get my energy back I was so excited to be able to walk again and do all sorts of things again but for him you know to spend two years um, supporting me and, and being positive for me and making me laugh every single day and taking care of me he just collapsed at the end of that two years and and so we then moved the caravan to a, a block of land without any uh, any power or water or sewage or anything and we got rid of the caravan and then we got a recycled shipping container and we just lived totally off the land for a year um, to to completely relax and get back in tune with nature and and that was a really incredible experience. And now how old were you when you did that? Uh, so that would have been about 26, 27. Shut the front door. <laughs> Yeah, and what a huge decision to go, to go off the grid at that age. I'm I'm astounded by you, Amanda. I, I'm I'm astounded by you and your beautiful partner 
to make a decision like that at such a young age, I honestly, I'm, I'm totally blown away and it must have been fabulous. I mean, I flirt with that now and I think bring that on, but I don't have anything, you know, obviously that makes living that way a necessity like you did. But, you know, I just, I'm floored that you knew to do this and obviously just immersed yourself in it fully and reaped the benefit of it, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh, it was, it was incredible. And to realize that you don't need a lot of stuff, you know, we, we didn't have hot water. We didn't even have a toilet. We had a little camp toilet and Dave had to empty oh, no. that every couple of days. No <laughs> way. No, Are you still excited, Neza? Yeah. Yeah. I can hear you. <laughs> no, no, just lost your neck. Just lost your neck. No, see, if I'm going to go off the grid, I do still have to be able to take my GHD hair straightener. Just put me in. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a big realisation for us too is that if you want to do it properly and you do want those little luxuries, then you need a lot of money and you need to do it do it totally different. But for us, um, and being young too and, and not having any expectations, we just, like you said, we immersed ourselves in it. Now I look back and go, I couldn't do that again. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it for that period. So, Darling, I just want to ask, you brought up a really good point, which I think a lot of our listeners will really want to hear a little bit more about. And I think often, um, you know, not taking anything away from the person who gets diagnosed or finds out something, a bit like you two cares with everything you went through, a lot of emphasis obviously stays on the person at the centre of everything, which is so important. But I think what gets missed or perhaps what there's another role for another layer of friends or family again is to make sure that the carer or the carers are actually cared for too. Mm. Um, and the reason why I talk about that is a girlfriend of mine, um, you know, there, there was a group of us who had all just had babies. They had one-year-olds and I had a four-month-old. And we're all still pretty tired and getting through our thing. And out of the blue, this particular night, I still remember I was sitting there in New Zealand drink, eating Vogel's toast. I had Vegemite and avocado on Vogel's toast. I so remember it. Ooh. And my girlfriend rang me and she said, I don't eat Vegemite, by the way, anymore. But anyway, I was eating Vegemite. Is it nice and, avocado? Um, I loved it. Anyway, um, she turned around. There's a natural Vegemite, by the way, that um, I can give you the recipe for. Anyway, um, she turned around and I got the phone call and my girlfriend said, and she was in tears. And one of our other girlfriends in our group, her husband at 35 years of age, had just suddenly dropped dead from a heart attack. And I think it's same for you, Amanda, at our age with... You just, for a start, that, that's just not in our community. It's not our, it's not normal, as you say. There's not other people young going through these things. And mm. I remember my girlfriend, Lizzie, and she just became Barb's number one carer and, you know, made sure she was okay. And I swear to you, that girl within a year, she actually had another lady ring her, worried that she had cancer. This was, and this, that was frightening the way this person said it, but... She turned around and she said, you look so terrible. You look like you've got cancer. And that was a shock mm. in itself, the way that lady said that. So, But wow. it did make her look at Lizzie and just say, oh, my gosh, you, you're burning. She had a young baby herself. So what then I took on the role was, oh, my gosh, I actually have a role here. I can look after my darling Lizzie. So I went into caring for the carer because I knew that Barb depended on her so in the same way that probably your family and friends would have seen that you really depended and needed Dave maybe the lesson from all of this is that we can teach people that people then need to look out for the Daves that that next inner circle would you agree definitely yeah definitely um yeah and and he was quite um, and, and I think it, sometimes you have to force that a little bit um, because he felt like that was his role and he probably said no a few too many times as well, um, whereas, you know, he really, he really did need that extra care and, um, and that's my biggest regret of that period actually. And I know that I, I probably wasn't in a state to, to think of those things, but I wish I had because he did need that support and, I'm, and I didn't think to, to ask people to give it to him either. Well, I don't think that was your role and neither would it have even been your, it's not that your intention was not to think of him, but I don't even think mm -hmm. your focus was fully on healing. But 
And I think when I look at it, the how do we look after the carers? Well, that is bringing them a meal or checking in or saying, how about, you know, I come and sit with Amanda. Well, why don't you go and have a surf or a walk or a, how about you go and have a massage or can I bring you, bringing dinner sometimes or, you know, bringing a movie or, or just doing things to keep the humour and the sense of um, connection there for them or just the, the, the ability to have a good sleep or something. Now, I know usually the carer doesn't want to be too far from the person they're caring from either, for either. So, I don't know. It could be. It could come in all sorts of shapes. But I think more than more than anything, maybe nutrition and good meals is a really good starting point. Definitely, yeah. If if someone had brought food around for him, or um, you know, fed the dog, just really simple things would have made a big difference. I think. Yeah. 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 So, sweetheart, tell me how. What what did that after that year? Like, what when did you decide that the year was up, or was it always going to be just a year, or did you just kind of go with the seasons and and feel like what the time was right? What happened then? Yeah, it was just a feeling. Um, we got to a point where we were just starting to feel um, a bit too removed from the world. Uh, you needed to put a your four wheel drive in uh, low range to even get there. It was way out out in the sticks so we just were starting to feel like it was time to get back out into the world and and I felt really recovered and had a new lease on life to be honest after going through everything and Mm -hmm. so I wanted to get out into the world and I wanted to share what I'd learned and um and so it didn't feel like the right place to be anymore Mm. so we then um, sorry what did you do so then we uh, we sold the shipping container. We also, we were renting um, a block of land to put that container on for $50 a week that we found on Gumtree. Um, so we couldn't stay there forever anyway. Um, so it then we... It me away. I know, I know. <laughs> what is the Those moments. Um, I'm sure you couldn't find something like that if you just went and had a look today, but it just all lined up perfectly for us to to have that experience, I think. Mm. And so did you then move we, flat? Yeah. Yeah, then we moved. Um, we moved into a rental um, up in the mountains and then we decided we wanted to be on the beach, so we lived in a duplex on the beach um, for a little while at, at Sunshine Beach and um, we've just built a house at Yamundi, so we've we've gone back to trying to do things um, really simply, but with a few more extra luxuries like hot water and electricity. <laughs> oh, grief, those are luxuries. Bless your little heart. <laughs> but so, so in terms of where you're at now, um, what's, the, what's the situation for you now? Are you, are you healed? Are you recovered? I mean, what's the... What's the state that you're in right now? Yes, so uh, I'm in remission. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I go to the hospital once a year now to have a checkup. Yeah. Um, but I'm feeling feel incredible, feel the best that I've ever felt. And um, we're both just working from home now. We've got our veggie patches going here and and are, are doing the work that we feel we need to in the world. So. Tell us what an average day looks like for somebody like you. What's a day look like? What's a day in the life of you? Okay. I get up um, when my puppy starts hassling me at about oh. 6.30. Yeah. What sort of dog have you got? A staffy. Oh, we love those. Very cute. Yeah. So <laughs> we get up. <laughs> we get up. Um, Dave stays in bed. We get up and we go for a big walk and we go down to the the creek and have a bit of a play around in the water and um, a bit of a wander around and then um, we'll come back in and make a smoothie or some kind of a juice um, and just slowly get into the day so I might do a little bit of yoga or meditation um, have breakfast on the on the deck with Dave and then um, then we'll I'll get into work uh, every day is different um, because I do quite a few different things but um, I've got an office at home so I can, I can work from home and um, I'll quite often go out and teach at, at schools or, um, you know, a local community uh, and I do a bit of coaching too so I do that online from home um, and I also I still do a bit of modelling but just for eco-friendly and ethical brands so I'll go to Sydney a few times a year and 
do some shoots with some some different clients. So it's every day is different, but it usually starts nice and gentle. Nice and gently. That's beautiful. So no alarms waking you up and your hair on fire and racing through the house and causing no. all sorts of <laughs> good grief. So what sort of work do you do in the world? I mean, I know you mentioned that you're still modelling and you're doing counselling, but explain a little bit more about the kind of things that you're doing and for who you do them for. Okay. Um, so I do, uh, I do it's a bit of coaching for women. Um, it's called gentle living coaching. So I help women who want to find a bit more peace in their life, want to calm down a little bit, um, declutter, and, and who just who want to get really clear on, on their goals but do it in a way that doesn't feel like it's another chore and another thing to keep up with. Um, and I, I've got a school called Shine From Within. So this is my real passion project. Um, it, it's where I, I teach courses and workshops for, for teen girls and we cover everything from natural skincare and makeup and uh, posture and job interview skills. So I, my background was actually teaching in de- deportment sort of subjects and I, I do believe that, that these girls coming through, they, they still need that stuff. They need to learn about how to introduce themselves to someone and how to present themselves to the world. And, and so I covered those subjects, but with more of a natural twist. So all natural skincare and mineral makeup. And, um, and then we do a lot about wellness and self-love um, as well so that, they, so that they feel like they can do anything in the world and that, you know, they're worth looking after. Is that a hard thing to break into? What do you think is the, what's your feelings around young women these days? And, and why are you so passionate about this? And do you sense there's a big problem? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's, it's, it's always hard going through those teen years. Um, and sometimes I think parents forget that we all struggled going through our teen years in one way or another. But for the girls today, I mean, they've got so many extra pressures, I think, and, um, and things that they're dealing with when it comes to social media and bullying and all of those things. I see a really, it's really evident in the young girls coming through today that, that they're struggling with, with positive body image and, um, and, and that self-worth. So it is, yeah, it is a challenge and it's something that I'm, I'm always trying to learn more about and, and help them in, in whatever way I can. Your Shine From Within courses are for what age group and where would people go to find more out about them and do you do them all over Australia? Um, so the, I run a course for 10 to 12-year-olds, a tweens course, and a course for teens, so 13 to 17-year-old girls. Um, at the moment I run them on the Sunshine Coast. I do run some shorter workshops around Australia as well, but at the moment um, parents are, are bringing their, their children from Adelaide, Sydney, um, Melbourne, Rockhampton. They're, they're bringing their, their girls to the Sunshine Coast and they usually bring their families and have a, a week-long holiday and, and the girls come and spend the week with us. How beautiful. And what do those courses look like? What do you do? Uh, so we, we cover... We go from about 10 to 5 every day and we cover everything from yoga, posture, introducing yourself, healthy eating. You know, they learn how to make green smoothies and they make bliss balls. And I've got lots of incredible teachers that come in and, and help as well. Like um, Adele Veggie Head, she'll come in sometimes. Jess used to come in all the time. Um, beautiful yoga teachers. Kim's been in as well. Oh, we're very lucky to have you there um, as well. Uh, We've got organic hair care specialists too. Um, we talk about dressing for your body shape and ethical fashion. Uh, we do a photo shoot um, on one of the days where they, they spend a whole day doing their own makeup and getting dressed up and, and really seeing how beautiful they are in the flesh. And that's just so incredible to, to see them see their, their image on the back of the camera straight after the photo has been taken and see their eyes light up and go, oh, my God, I'm actually really beautiful, is just so incredible. Oh, I think I just I get all teary even picturing it, and I'm sure I'm sure the mums out there are feeling it. I, I actually, I would love to see 
your Shine From Within program. I mean, imagine if they made that a week-long project within schools, you know, that every year, I don't know whether it would be year 10 or 11 or 12, but I'd imagine around that year 10 would be quite an amazing year to do something like that mm-hmm. um, as they head into, into, into the senior part of high school. What do you think? Yeah, I yeah. think that would be incredible. <laughs> I mean, Karen, can you picture it? I mean, oh my goodness! You know, and you know, from a psychological, if you can see the beauty in yourself at around fifteen, oh. then I think you carry that for the rest of your life. But if you see the mm-hmm. ugliness, you most women that see nothing but ugly, and I don't know why we see that, but when we see the ugly, it, there's a lot of work. There seems to be a little bit more work ahead to help discount that or discredit or, or to to change that perspective, isn't there? Oh, for sure. I think, I think once, you know, that, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's physiological as well as it's, it's emotional because once those tracks are laid down about the fact that I'm fat or I'm ugly or I'm not lovable, you know, physiologically and neurologically, once those tracks are laid down, it becomes a habitual way of thinking and it's happening unconsciously. It's like, you know, the more you run the same program, the program runs itself. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, once you get a little bit older, it's a lot more work. Whereas if you can get somebody who is at a younger age, well, what bliss, I mean, to, to not have to battle through all of that. Mm. And Amanda, what, what would be your, um, What's the greatest insights? You know, I mean, all three of us are speakers, as is our beautiful Cindy. You know, I, I don't know about you girls, but the, the greatest kick I get isn't the fact that I'm speaking, but it's 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 watching sometimes ahas happen in a face or, or seeing someone see a different perspective or a new possibility or a new um, opportunity for learning and growth. I mean, what's the biggest kick you get out of and what's the greatest insights you have from teaching what you teach? Mm, the, the biggest kick is, is seeing these girls really flourish throughout the week and, and grow and realise that they do have strengths to offer to the world and, and realise that they are beautiful just as they are. Um, seeing, those, seeing those moments is, is what really um, gets me excited uh, and I learn so much from the girls too, to be really honest. Um, you know, in, in our group discussions and when we're talking about relationships or friendships or what they're going through, you know, I, I always learn learn so much from them as well. They have such beautiful insights themselves. Even the 10-year-olds, they always blow my mind. <laughs> they're gorgeous, aren't they? I mean, look at our yeah. talk we did the other night together. Um, we had 50 mums and daughters in the room and Amanda and I presented a workshop together and um, it's, I, I can't begin to tell you what a privilege it is to be on stage with Amanda, but what a privilege it is to be able to be a, um, uh, someone that is able to present some information that might help these mothers and daughters. And it was such a privilege to do that with you and their little faces and their, they're just such beautiful young women that just deserve to know how beautiful and exquisite they are. Mm. And that young, there was a young one who was about 10 or 11 who's, who said her biggest aha moment was that we should trust ourselves. Isn't that I what know. she said, that beautiful yeah. little girl? Yes. So we asked at the end, Kaz, we asked at the end, Does any, has anybody had an aha? And it was usually the whole way through the mums had been asking the questions because the girls, you know, they're there with their mums. So they obviously, and even though we give permission to do it, there's also the courage to ask and there's all of that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. But at the end. At the end, I said, so has anybody had any ahas? And would anybody like to share maybe one of the daughters? And she just sat there and I caught contact with her eyes. And then she kind of put her hand up and I went, yes. And she goes, um, I think the biggest thing I've learned is that we just need to trust ourselves more. Oh, I and love it. <laughs> Amanda and I just looked at each other. I mean, I think I looked at Amanda, I wanted a high five and I go, our work is done. Our work yeah. is done. <laughs> It was such a beautiful little moment. And then there was another gorgeous young woman, maybe around 17, who said, look, it's not so much that I've had an aha in here, but just knowing that I listened to your podcast. Do you remember that, Amanda? Mm. She said that she listens.
listens to our podcast, Kaz, and it's her it's her trip on the way to, I think she's just finished school on the way to uni, and she said she learns so much from listening to having our beautiful guests like Amanda and even the conversations we have. And a part of me just went, oh, my gosh. I mean, it's just such an effort sometimes for the three of us to get together, you know, yeah. just with our word. But then when I realised that there are people out there that can't wait for every Tuesday morning to come along to download this. I mean, I personally can't wait to get together to record them. So if I'm feeling that, then I can only imagine what it must be like to download them. But to hear that, the privilege, the honour and the absolute blissful feeling I get from knowing that that makes a difference in a young person's life is, (laughs) it's pretty mind-blowing, isn't it, Kaz? Well, look, I think that would be absolutely spectacular I, I honestly I, and I haven't you know I've done one-on-one coaching but I haven't done any group work with you know the younger generation and our kids and I think that that would be so profound to be able to be a part of their journey at the platform stage like at the beginning parts so you can actually set them up for greatness as opposed to them just you know, trying to wing it and do the best they can like we did, you know, because Mm. I don't know that there was so much of this around when we were growing up. But I I guess, well, actually the the issues were the same back then as they are now, maybe a little bit more now, but I think that, that, you know, self-worth and self-love and being gentle with oneself, nah, there was nothing like that when we were around. It was all, when we were growing up, it was just all about beat yourself to uh, within an inch of your life and you be successful and you make that money and you build that house. (laughs) You know, it was all, it it was all, you know, full on. So I think that the beautiful thing about what I'm hearing about what you two girls did the other night and, you know, what you continue to do is you give people, our younger girls a choice and you let them know that there's more to life. I think that's just magical. I feel like I could just get lost in that. (laughs) It's pretty powerful. And, and you know what, when Jess was still alive, when we were at her book launch down in Brisbane, this was one of the conversations that we actually had was seeing the likes of Jess, Melissa Ambrosini, Amanda, and you, me, and Karen um, doing a road trip. That This was a conversation I'd had with Jess about the three younger women and the three... um, more mature women um, <laughs> sharing our experiences and you know what there's a part of me I've just had goose pimples go over me that we need to still honor that and um and I think you know the conversations we've all had with the likes of Jess I think in order to honor her legacy this might not be a bad thing that we could start to looking at creating or maybe there's a listener who would like to manage the project or do something along these lines if they can see the worth in this but I don't know, there could be a book, it could be a, a nationwide tour, it could be a, a specific podcast, I don't know. But there's certainly, I think there's a calling for it. And so on that note, Amanda, I want to ask you, the connection you made with Jess was, you know, at the beginning of your journey. Tell us a little bit about that and what you two experienced together. And then more importantly too, how her passing, what, what effect that has had on you. Mm. Um, yeah, Jess, Jess um, has an incredible effect on everyone she meets, I think. Um, and when, when we first met, it was, uh, I just went around to her house and her mum made me this beautiful lunch and a juice, of course, and, and you know, we, we hit it off right away, which was, which was incredible. And we just, uh, we just stayed in touch. You know, we were both starting a little blog because we felt like we needed to share what, what we were learning along the way. And, and um, oh, we just had so many great laughs together. We, we would hang, because we, live quite, we lived quite close to each other as well. So we'd have um, beautiful lunches and that sort of thing pretty regularly. And, and then, you know, the more that we found other beautiful women doing positive stuff around the place you know we we kind of got this little group together and we'd have um mastermind retreats and stuff together which was incredible and we went around Australia talking about self-love and sisterhood at one point um which was really beautiful um incredible to to share the stage with with Jess and the other the other girls um and then towards the end you know 
Um, I, I just happened to, to be there with her the day before. Um, and that was, that was amazing. Um, you know, just hanging out with her and she was laughing and carrying on and was eating this big burger, I think at the time. And, um, you know, I just, I, I, I honestly didn't think what happened was, was going to happen. I, I, I never thought it would. She was so, so strong and, um, you know, her beautiful partner was so, so strong the whole time as well. Uh, and so positive, um, you know, but to be with her the day before, you know, laughing, carrying on, um, she was talking about uh, how <laughs> she was talking about how much she loves her dogs, as she always did. And and um, Yvette, Yvette said something, a friend of ours, Yvette Luciano said, um, you know, I don't think people realise how um, how offensive it is when we start to compare our, our puppies to, to people's babies <laughs> but we just love our dogs so much so we're having a, a really big laugh I understand um, that 100 <laughs> yeah. oh yeah I remember I remember I used to do the same I used to do the same thing I always used to see a brand new baby and I go oh my goodness that looks like my dolly yeah, <laughs> yeah the brand new baby was so cute and my little dolly was also incredibly cute I get that yeah <laughs> I'm sure for the parents, they're probably going, mm, I think my baby's cuter. <laughs> yes, true. I'm sure they are. Yeah. Oh, um, it, it, yeah. So, you know, to have that, have that memory with her um, is, is something I'll always treasure. And I've got this, this letter stuck up on my wall just next to me, actually, that she wrote me. Um, uh, just saying what does it say Mandy you're seriously one of the most beautiful people I've met so you know to be able to look up at that every day when I'm sitting at my desk um, is such an inspiration and, and reminds me of of what a beautiful light she was in the world and whatever whatever we can do to to honor her and and um, you know keep her beautiful message going I think it's it's important that we do that Amanda, you um, you know very well the trauma and everything she went through from an uh, not not the traumatic abuse she would she would receive along the lines along mm-hmm. her journey. What is your thoughts around you know and and of course you know the Bell Gibson thing and mm-hmm. you know there's there's a lot of um, backlash going on at the moment around the whole natural alternative world. What's your message to people out there that, you know, that still believe in this path? What's your thoughts around orthodox and alternate care? Give us a little insight on that. My, uh, what I've always believed um, is that, you know, we have to do whatever's right for us and the best thing we can do is tune in to what feels good for us, you know, get as much information as, as we can um, but ultimately, trust trust yourself because we are all different. And and I think there's a place in the world for natural therapies, for conventional treatments. Um, they all work. It, it's just finding the right mix mix for you. Um, and 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 the biggest thing that I think will we'll always carry through and what will ultimately be what heals us is the belief that that we're going to be okay. Um, so as long as you believe in what you're doing and and are doing your best, then then that's all you can do. So Jess believed she was going to be okay right up until I, I don't imagine that she didn't think she wasn't ever going to be okay. It was never mm. in her radar. What's your thoughts around that, that in the end she didn't go beyond 29 years of age? So how do you answer that? I think um, personally I think that's that's where... I mean, I, I think it all happened perfectly for for her life. You know, that's that's maybe where it was supposed to end for her. She's she was here to be that beautiful angel for so many years and be that beacon of light and encourage people to take care of themselves. And and maybe that was that was her work done. Maybe it was time for her to to go and be with her mummy and and um and find that that peace. You know, Amanda, I think you're, you're spot on there. I think it's not for any one of us to actually say, you know, what 
keeps a person alive or what doesn't keep a person alive. I think what we've got to work with is our mind and our body and our spirit. And if we can be 100% committed, then, you know, I think I think of this, and I remember what you and Cindy were explaining to me, Kim, you know, when you were there for Jess's last hours and the day that she'd had before with you, Amanda. You know, she was in her greatest experience of life. She kept believing she was going to be okay. She was convinced of that. And I think that that's a far better way to experience life, whether you're living or you're dying. I think mm-hmm. it doesn't actually, you know, if, if, if every human being could be experiencing life on the edge like she was with such belief of extraordinariness and such inside of their own personal magnificence in every moment, then it's not quantity, it's quality. And it's not, you know, it's not something that any of us can control in terms of when our last breaths will be taken. But I think we can certainly determine how we live every moment based on the mind, the body and the spirit and being completely committed to the most extraordinary experience of all three because one doesn't function without the other. So to just think it's about the food is remiss and to just think it's about the mind is remiss and to just think it's about the spirit is remiss. It's a holistic approach, which I think Jess was a classic example of just ending the war in all areas, ending the war, ending the fight, ending the battle and just Mm. being completely in love with the ride. And I think that was one of the greatest gifts that she's left as a legacy for us. And who's to know that, she could have lived longer or should have gone earlier. It's not for us to, you know, we can't say. And I think that, you know, those that do, you know, have their say on that, you know, um, and, and that are quite vocal on that, that, you know, she could have done this better or she could have done that better. Well, I think, you know, just those people just get back in your box chocolate. It's not for, <laughs> it's not for anybody to say when a person's expiry date is. Nobody nobody can know that. All we can know is that we're doing the best that we personally choose to do for ourselves in any given moment and full stop stop on that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I think to to finish up, I I think the greatest gift that I've had from you, Amanda, and the greatest ahas I get and being in your presence and even hearing your voice. And I'm sure people hearing it will feel that gentleness in you mm. is the reminder of self-care. Now I teach self-care on a daily basis. And um, I think what I get from you more than anything is I think often, and I'm sure mums out there listening to this will also hear what I'm saying is that we think caring for others is caring for us. And we think um, looking after everybody else is good enough. But the reality is and the truth is, um, and I think both of your messages would be the same, is that, you know, you don't need to get a bomb underneath you to wake up and you certainly don't need to get cancer to wake up. But maybe the two beautiful souls that both you, Karen, and you, Amanda, are is the reminder that if, you know, the the messages and the people and the experiences that you have both shared is actually a very, very strong reminder that we don't have to have that in order or we perhaps don't need to have that. You know, let's hear these stories for what they are. And I suggest all you mummies out there, you play this whole podcast to your daughters and your sons in the car and really let them know that the reason why we want them to hear this is that, Self-care is the ultimate number one, Um, and it's not selfish. It's not being selfish. It's being selfless. The more that we care for ourselves, in fact, the more we have to give to others. So, in fact, it's a gift to everybody else. We just need to keep our perspective around what that means in self-care. So nourish, honour, and truly value and revere the bodies that we have instead of beating up on them. Really look at how we can tune out and tune into um, the world and I mean tuning out by just you know surrendering and just being in touch with source with one with self and that it's okay that loneliness is actually an opportunity to find yourself because if we're truly loving ourselves, you will never experience the feeling of loneliness in fact 
being alone and quiet is usually the time when we find ourselves and sometimes that's by having a bomb blown up or by getting a, a, a pretty scary disease or a, a cancer that actually is those quiet moments that has us look within. Well, this podcast, I would like to suggest, is one of those moments, thanks to you, Amanda, that we really do use this as a chance to look within and never feel lonely if we can find those moments and change the perspective of using it as self-reflective and learning time, then I think that would be the greatest gift that you've given me. So thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been an amazing interview. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us. What an absolute... What an absolute honour. And if people want to find you, is there a particular website that they can go to or is there, is there some idea that you can give us as to in, in terms of where we can, share, we can send people? Yes. Um, my website's amandarootsy.com.au uh, and the school that I run is shinefromwithin.com.au. And you've got a beautiful Instagram page, which is Amanda, Amanda Rootsy as well. So follow yes. beautiful beautiful well thank you everybody for tuning in and for joining us here today hopefully you have just loved this interview as much as we have make sure that you track amanda down and you know out of everything take this away that being gentle with yourself is the greatest gift that you can give yourself and if you don't believe you're worthy of that then you've only got to you you know you've really got to do the work (laughs) and that's well, that's where, going, that, that's where working with somebody like Amanda is mm. where the transformation occurs. So ask yourself two questions. Am I prepared to give myself the gift of gentleness? And if the answer is no, I don't deserve it, I need to bust my ass and whip myself, then get onto Amanda's website and make an appointment to see her. <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> we go to our Facebook page at allthews.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat and post your comments and questions and we'll pass them along to Amanda or if there's anything more that you want to hear or know, this is the time to raise those questions. You can also post your comments at all the w's.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash upper chat. I did it again. It's all the w's.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash upper chat. Kimmy, stop it. <laughs> I'm going to see you here next week on Upper Chat. where you get to be part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. We love having you on the ride. We'll see you then. Bye, everybody. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.